to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. was received at 6.20 p.m. September 20th. Hi, this is Anders, and um, I was wanted to know how to uh, make the DVD player color, because it's black and white again. Bye. What the fuck? Bye. <laughs> Bye. This Bye, is Anders. Anders. It's true. Uh, once upon a time, I did not open every uh, audio clip of myself with Anders Lee here. It's yeah, a... before you were a clown, you were a cowboy. You've been <laughs> keeping that from us? <laughs> I guess so. Five years? I didn't realize that I talked that way until uh, my dad saved all of the recordings of... <laughs> to make fun of you? Your dad sat you down. Yeah. <laughs> was like, you were a rancher as a child. <laughs> you owned three farms and 40 acres. We were trying to make you into Daniel Day-Lewis, but instead, <laughs> you're you. I guess so. I, I don't know how it happened. My mom is from New York. My dad he, he talks like a news anchor. He talks like this, as I've established. Uh, I think it was the school I went to. Everyone was Southern. Yeah. They were teaching uh, uh, like critical race theory, but for speaking in a Southern twang to children. I yeah. guess so. You just soak it up. I don't know what it is. I think it's... Uh, now I, my accent makes no sense because it's just like all the places I've lived melded into one and it sounds like a speech impediment, which is probably what that was too. That's what radio... Yeah, I need to know. That's what radio sounds what I, like. What I yeah. need to know is, did you have any southern idioms that you've had to train out of your body? Winda. Well, that's not real. That's a word. That's not a Would idiom. you say you soaked it up like a biscuit to gravy? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I mean... What else would you say, Anders? Where do your secrets end? Uh, that's weaker than bus station chili. Yeah, that's a One southern idiot. Okay, that's really cool. We don't say that up here. No. Were you like uh, one day like, gosh, there's this man named Al Gore, and he's running for the president. I guess <laughs> some guy. I don't know. I'm just trying to do the only things I know. I mean, have to be a. Who do you think's got the next, the 96 election? Is it Bob Dole? Bob <laughs> Dole's the, coming back in play? At the time of that message, I will confess, I was a more of a fan of GWB. Uh, you, it sounds he, like it. Yeah, he was stupid, and I connected with him. I connected with the, an idiot who everyone made fun of, uh, and then he won and, you know, massacred thousands of people. You were uh, a cowboy. Golly, he's yeah. starting the, the gosh darn Iraq war because the, <laughs> the weapons of mass destruction. I can only imagine being your mother at this time period. Andrews, do you want anything at the store? They hate our freedoms. What <laughs> will we have? Freedom fries. I had friends who would actually order freedom fries. I went to Red Lobster with a friend around that, you know, during the war on terror, and he would 
unironically order Freedom Fries. Uh, Little Anders. I'm sure Red Lobster was more than eager to supply that wish. I guess Practically so. a branch of the military themselves. <laughs> Red Lobster. <laughs> Jake, did you not have a Texas accent? Not really. I mean, I have a little bit of a draw if I get drunk or if I'm talking around somebody like it's from the South and I start doing what's called Southern code switching. But like mm. I grew up in a fairly urban part of the state, like in Houston around um, honestly a lot of black and Latin people. And it's, so there's like a that'll come out sometimes if I'm buying drugs or something not to whoa but like <laughs> um <laughs> i'm serious because you get scared and so you just immediately start like talking like uh it's almost like a self-defense mechanism this is the a, classical code switching this is a i'm gonna cut this out of the podcast because it's gonna make people <laughs> well actually no fuck you i am from that part of the fucking city so i i can describe this real experience that you fucking people don't even understand but um but honestly, I'm on your side here. I don't know what's going <laughs> Well, I was about to start doing an impression that I was like, no, this is just going to I'm not going to nail it. I'm going to be off into Rosie <laughs> Perez and then it's just going to fucking not work. But um, <sighs> no, I think I'm like you, Anders, though, in that, like, if you're enough of an indoors kid, you eventually your voice boils down to just sounding like everything because uh, that's what radio is. They try to t- pinpoint the quintessential american accent in the study one time and they they like zeroed it down to fucking um what do you call it uh cleveland where's the birthplace of radio in fucking ohio right oh uh okay. because it's 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 backwards it's not because those people sound like everyone everyone informed the people in in uh cleveland or whatever it's the only way around the radio caused young kids to grow up listening to it and then talking like it and now that mm. accent is supposed to this is a theory anyway it's like pervasive throughout uh the country so i think i just got i watched a lot of tv and shit and sometimes i just sound like people from sitcoms i don't really know <laughs> it's a possibility i don't know i i mean i did live in virginia so like a lot of the people it was like but it was like you know suburban virginia but even still people have accents i guess uh, and I just soaked them up like a sponge, uh, like a biscuit to gravy. Yeah, you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying about the drug thing, but for me, I revert to just as more white, just to seem as you do your father's as possible. Voice. Yeah, I just want to. I would like some drugs, right? <laughs> I want to seem as less of a threat as I can, but. Maybe yeah. you should. I don't know. I don't, code switching is a real thing. It's weird because a few years ago when it first was like that coin, that term was kind of coined on the Internet or at least it was popularized. People were like, this is like a like a mean thing. Like it's like condescending. But like it's actually, I think, empathetic. If you listen to Why You Mad, my other show, where I talk to my, my friend Luisa Diaz, who says, you know, do you understand what I'm saying all the time? Like. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I talk a little bit like her when I talk to her, but that's just because that's what happens to my voice when I'm around Latin people and shit. And uh, I don't think there's an extent to where I think with some people it's like they're trying. But I think you are you just naturally adapt to fucking people that you're around. It's yeah, weird to stick. Right. If you live somewhere long enough, like you, you just kind of soak up certain tendencies. Like when I go back to Minnesota, it's the the accent just like is grating on me and you know when i lived there for 
nine years, uh, like I just stopped noticing it after a while. But now I go back and it's like, like oh, yeah. I have to get away. Code, <clears throat> yeah. code switching is how we beat the Japanese. That's true. <laughs> and what did that sound crack like? Our accents. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say. And there's no knowing what it sounded like. <laughs> it's lost to history. Alex, do you ever talk differently? Yes, I've been uh, approached multiple times after comedy shows and asked what it was like growing up in Texas, which is fun because I am from Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fuck? It's happened several times. It just happens on stage where you sound like yeah, you're from I just, Texas? Yeah, I got that southern charm, baby. <laughs> you can come and sit on my lap. It's okay. There's no rules over here. Just come and uh, saddle up. Well, Saddle up. That's another idiom. Yeah. You know who had a very distinct way of talking? Our uh, our late friend, friend of the show, late question mark? Maybe he's not even dead. Yeah, true. John McAfee died this week, apparently in prison. Very suspicious. Epstein, you know, yeah. notes all over the place. Uh, they said he committed suicide, but he also has just been tweeting shit about, like, if I die... Right. Google this fucking piece of code and then you'll find whatever, my body, and uh, it was the Illuminati and all, you know, and so on and so forth. If you, He's sexually yeah. assaulting whales in heaven now. <laughs> <laughs> His accent is genuinely like a super villain accent. He's, yeah, he's one of those guys who's like British, even though he's yeah. never been there or whatever. Well, yeah, he was born there and then something like that, but he... It's funny because we had him on and he would do this a little bit. And then I listened to like an economics podcast he was on and he did it even more. It was like <laughs> an actual serious podcast where we would do the <laughs> like after every other thing he said, he would do the super villain laugh. Do you ever like that's find yourself you, you're you buying drugs from John McAfee? You're buying like adrenochrome <laughs> I'm from sure him that's happened. In order to get through the situation and not, you know, not make it feel more natural, you start code switching with John McAfee. So you're like, oh, yes. Uh, so just, <laughs> you know, just a, for, just a, just a 40 bag. Ah. <laughs> Why, I have, have a wood. sample of your finest goods. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You know, he does it to be more powerful. It makes sense that it comes across more on an economics show to show that he's a man of money, a man right. of the bag. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, so people are speculating, you know, obviously he... Uh, I'm going to say it on the top of the show, by the way. I don't think he's dead. I think he's faking his own death. People are saying that <laughs> it, it, despite all the tweets... Despite all the tweets saying he would never kill himself in jail, it's actually very like his personality to kill himself in jail. I'm saying, no, you're not looking deep enough. It's more like himself to set himself up as an Epstein and then move off with the bag to some other sex crime island somewhere we don't know about. That's right. If he actually either. has all that money, which I think has been sort of dubious, uh, but if he has, you know, coin or whatever that he changes into money, it's not that out of the box that he could bribe you know, prison officials to, to stage his death, right? Because I don't know if there's been an autopsy yet. Um, they could have swapped him out with somebody else. That's a very real possibility. Otherwise... Look into it. He's running Norton antivirus now. You know, yeah. one thing that people Dog knew about him when he was alive was that he liked to have a woman 
lay in a hammock above him and take a shit through the holes in the hammock into his mouth. So right, right. now there could be like a like a um what do you call it the person that performs the autopsy coroner is a coroner carving open his trachea and finding no feces in his trachea and they're like McAfee this isn't you you've done it again meanwhile he's on a speedboat somewhere yeah escaping right that could be it I also think and I'm not the only person with this theory but that he actually just killed himself and cuz he knew he was going to be extradited and probably have to spend the rest of his life in the US prison system and was like I don't want to do that and if he's going out it's you know in a way that gets the most attention as possible so he made it seem like it he got Epstein when he's actually not that important yeah the- Occam's razor gaming mouse it's all anything he also just, just seems very impulsive, so it's very likely he could have just killed himself. Because <laughs> he's yeah. like, I don't want to fucking live in prison. He was, like, tweeting from prison and shit. It was weird, man. I, but I, I imagine... do do that? Do they give you, like, computer time? Or do you get, like, a special iPad when you're a billionaire or what? It seemed like he had a phone. I don't know. This could yeah, go I don't English know. Way. I mean, he would right, have this, had to this, I'm doubling down on he escaped now if he had a phone in prison. <laughs> a lot of holes of this guy, keeping this guy under bars. Well, he, pro- he could have had someone tweet for him, you know. I thought he was That's taking... Uh, I, mean, I gotta go back and look, but it seemed like he was taking just, like, front-facing videos, like, in jail and shit. Like, he was holding it in his <laughs> hand, which seems... I'm in jail! My <laughs> life a movie! <laughs> yeah. He's got the dog ears on and stuff doing sarah cooper tiktoks about (laughs) about how like libertarian politics (laughs) my one regret about our interview with him uh because i did ask i almost got him to confess uh to murdering someone i did ask close in general if he had ever killed anyone and he refused well he said that uh no he hadn't and we should have followed up with on with him and been like really that's disappointing i know a lot of your fans are going to be really let down with the most interesting man in the world not having committed a murder. Oh. Are you really going to stick to that? And then Anders, maybe we could have gotten something out of him. You sweet summer child. You think you could have <laughs> manipulated a genius <laughs> like John McAfee? Right. He was I 10 steps can... ahead of us the entire interview. That's why he was right. laughing at us. <laughs> <laughs> Literally laughing the entire time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you think you can you can play a song to the cobra and make it dance? Mm-mm. The cobra's got you its tail around your dick and it is squeezing and rattling because it's also a rattlesnake. It's ah! a very rare type of snake <laughs> that does that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it was. Oh. Anyway, so check back for news on that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, party he was a member of was the libertarian party and the libertarian party recently had a mayoral primary in new york city and uh one of the people who was a libertarian i think at one point is now an endorsee of Catherine garcia who might be the next mayor you see how i made that segue happen that was worth at least 12 really durs coins one. yeah it was a if, you, if you do a great segue you get a durs coin that was like in sell Tony those Hawk. coins now where you yeah. you jump from like five different things and then manual in between them and string them all together. Very cool. Yeah. 
Thank You're you. doing like Guitar Hero for grammar right now. <laughs> Was there a libertarian candidate for mayor? I didn't even look into that. That's a good question. I just riffed that and uh, <laughs> libertarian. I know that. Okay, so Joe Lahota was the. Uh, I think he was actually a Republican, but has libertarian leanings. Uh, but I don't know if he's in the Libertarian Party. The Is only... the Republican Party primary locked? Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Silva. Silva. Sliwa. Yeah, I was going to say, the yeah. only the only non-Democrat that's getting any coverage, or I mean, it might be the only person even in the race, I guess at this point, is fucking Curtis Sliwa, who I feel like I have not brought up enough on the show or online in general, because he's fucking great, man. I'm obsessed with him. He's the founder of the Guardian Angels, and he, all of his, like promos are you know video a grainy video of him from the 70s when he's a young man wearing the beret and shit and like talking about like we gotta we gotta get the up against the wall motherfuckers out of the trains and shit and like uh <laughs> he's just ranting like he's in the beginning of a 70s movie but now he's he's old he's like a, a 70 80 year old man who's still wearing the beret and he's just like he had a fucking benefit comedy show the other night i looked up everyone who was on the show it's great they're all open micers from the same long island comedy club and all of their facebook pages are like comedian car wash michael or whatever that's how you do it man <laughs> rise each other up we're all doing curtis lee was fundraiser <laughs> yeah. just austin tj miller we're gonna do this we're gonna make it it was like three people with just like american flag i'm gonna get cancel culture kick its ass like facebook pages and then there was one comic who i think was just like I didn't probably didn't even know anything about the mayor's race. A gig's a gig. Yeah. Look. <laughs> I couldn't find anything on our page to really indicate. If that. you can't kill in every room, do you deserve to be Republican mayor of New York City? <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of comedians, the the Libertarian nominee for mayor of New York is a comedian, apparently, no uh, Stacy Pressman. What? Who has been on? Uh, she's done Kumia. The Bennington Show, Howard Stern, what Artie the Lang's fuck? Artie Quitter pro- podcast. Comedian at comedian Stacy Quiz was was a. I had no, I had no idea. Yeah, that's Christman. so funny. Christmas. Maybe we could get her on for a debate because there is actually <laughs> you're a, addicted to debates. I love the debate. What can I say? Um, but there is someone who people should probably rank uh, in November. Um, who is a socialist and uh, has the, I guess, uh, nomination or endorsement of uh, PSL. I forget her name already. But You guys uh, can't see Anders at home, but he is squinting very powerfully to get this information out. I'm to you sorry, right now. I should have prepared. He's for... leaning all the way back into his chair to summon this name up. My mic is <laughs> on my chest. This is how you can tell she has right a good Rojas. shot at winning. Kathy Rojas, that's it. Okay. It would be, maybe we should do, and people tell From us the if city, Rojas. a bad idea. Uh, Kathy Rojas versus uh, Stacey Pressman debates. You know, I'd, I'd moderate. Um, it was weird that they introduced, well, I mean, I guess they're, they're doing ranked choice voting for the whole election. So it's weird because yeah. this is one of those races where the primary is where most of the actual race plays out. And then there's like kind of a, like, Curtis Lee is going to fucking win. There's like not really an election <laughs> after this. But 
in the in the general election rank choice voting kind of has more of an effect than it would in a situation like this or at least a different effect in that with someone like a PSL candidate you can rank them and it'll actually you know function in a way that helps third parties more and that you can safely vote for your fucking I guess Eric Adams or whatever and then rank uh the PSL candidate second and then they'll you know well, actually, oh, no, you would rank her first and then there you go. That's how it would go. Yeah, yeah. it's Sorry. not too late for Prussman to it's not too <laughs> late for the city to crush Pruss. Let's do crush this, the New Pruss. York. God. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm kind of just because like New York has been such a heavily Democratic city for so long. So like, you know, in theory, a green or socialist candidate would probably do better than a republican or they could or at least like there's no real risk of a republican winning uh so you would think they would have done better already then again bloomberg was the mayor and giuliani was the mayor before that they were both republicans so it's, uh, maybe uh, this no will have an impact remembers that bloomberg was just a straight-up republican it's so funny yeah amnesia. is it funny no, it's, it's funny <laughs> in up. the grand scheme of things. You have you got to cope because I mean, look at the race right now. It's two militaristic psychopaths. One of them's a cop. One of them's like a self-made gang member who it's is a cops cop. Cops versus guardian angels. It's crazy. The election. Um, the, like Sliwa is not going to win, but I'd like to imagine like. You know, I'm entertaining a fantasy that the rank choice thing plays out really weird. And then we live in like an evil, darkest timeline thing where he wears the beret as he's mayor and shit. And there's just guardian angels everywhere that you have to fight with like a video game. Last year during the, the George Floyd uh, uprising, a, a friend of mine was telling me that he fucking, uh, well, okay, allegedly uh, this happened. Uh, don't sue anyone. No, there's no names involved. <laughs> Fuck you. This happened. <laughs> I talked to somebody who fucking got into like a karate fist fight with a bunch of guardian angels because they were guarding a footlocker in Manhattan from looting. <laughs> and they expected, obviously, like they're fucking racist and they expected black people to loot a shoe store. But instead, just a bunch of crusty punk kids rolled up on them. were like, hell yeah. <laughs> and they got into like a Ninja Turtles fucking street fight with a bunch of 80 year old men. <laughs> that could be the city that we live in. It'd be fucking cool. No one thinks he's going to win. No one thought the Warriors could make it back to Coney Island. But that, guess what, Bucko? Yeah. That's a cinema classic. I can dig <laughs> that. Uh, well, yeah, it, it looks good for Adams right now. But because it is ranked choice and the primary is ranked choice, there is a pretty strong possibility that Catherine Garcia will pull it out, uh, especially because of her her, um, uh, her, her quote-unquote uh, poll tax campaign with – Andrew Yang, that's what it was. Uh, Adams accused them of, of doing poll taxes by pledging to uh, support each other as, you know, Yang said to his supporters, rank Catherine Garcia as your number two and vice versa for Garcia. So it's likely that she got a lot of number two votes uh, or number three, which is, you know, going to matter as this goes on as and people are sort of uh, eliminated and we won't have the full results until July but again, you know, people are spinning this as, and we talked about this last week too. But people are spinning this as, oh, it's a a victory for the anti-defund uh, yeah. 
candidate. For conservatives, essentially. Right. It's, the Democratic yeah. Party is now the vehicle for conservatives. Right. People don't actually want to defund the police uh, because of Eric Adams' 32%. It's a plurality in the uh, mayoral election. But that could definitely be overcome. Not that Garcia is, you know, a defund candidate, but uh, well, the first one thing, thing people are pointing to that's just like driving me nuts is Maya Wiley, um, who I guess was kind of like the least worst <clears throat> in a lot of people's eyes, yeah. which I totally get. And uh, had I, you know, lived in New York, I would probably would have ranked her one or two. Um, Admitted, but, Anders, you voted. You voted in the New York election. I may, I may have committed voter fraud at one point. <laughs> you voted a few times. Got into that. Um, not this year. Uh, but Maya Wiley is being like spun as, oh, this is the reason that uh, defund isn't going to work because she was the or that socialism isn't catching on in New York is because look how well Maya Wiley did. Never mind the fact that this is a woman who spent you know, 2016 and 2020 on MSNBC uh, and was not a supporter of Bernie Sanders. Um, so this idea that she's somehow a stand-in for DSA is absurd. I mean, people point to... Not oh, supported AMC. by DSA either, worth right. mentioning. Yes. She's not supported by DSA. Uh, and people will say, okay, yeah, but AOC endorsed her. It's like, you realize that to get the DSA endorsement is not just like a slip of, you know, it's not just like a little stamp, you know, that you can put on your lit which it is but it real what it really means is the full force of the volunteer base like coming out and knocking doors and making calls for you and so if that's not there then i don't know how you can say that's somehow representative of dsa um yeah everyone in new york has been blackpilled on the mayor's race for like it's really since the diane morales thing but kind of before that too because she never really had a chance um the yeah, I mean, the the first, like, hot takes that came out as soon as Eric Adams started to appear to be, you know, broadcasted as he maybe might win. No one knows how ranked choice works, so it's still kind of up in the air or whatever. But, like, you know, I mean, you just had, like, Lee Fong and, like, these internet fucking inter intercept types, like, uh, post-left types come out and jump at the opportunity to go, see, I, I, here's an opportunity to own the left, uh, there, you know, you you need to look at this and interpret it as a defeat of your movement but it doesn't make any fucking sense because there was no left like in the mayor's race so yeah. there's nothing to be like proven didn't work it was just a fucking six-way moderate to right moderate like jerk off thing like right and, and it jake andy no wins again <laughs> based on the new york mayor's race Ish. And people ignore the fact, maybe we'll link to this because it's an interesting uh, post. Uh, uh, someone wrote a little blog about a very real phenomenon in Queens, which was the Eric Adams, Tiffany Caban voter, of which were there, there were a lot who voted for Eric Adams as their number one choice, former cop, and Tiffany Caban for city council, who is a, a, a self-professed abolitionist so there's you know more to it than people are leading on the dialectic uh, yeah right. i mean i guess okay my, my take on like the eric adams thing is, is that like because people will want to look at this become very cynical and say you know the, the big thing the really weird projecty kind of racist big thing is like look you know black people aren't behind your defund movement it's white hipsters right uh you look at that 
and the evidence is a lot of black and brown people voted for a cop right but the thing is that that happens like you're you're a fool if you're trying to like uh what do you call it disprove that obviously people in the communities terrorized by police often vote for police and they often come out and say we need to we need more police because there's all this crime and stuff because there's this huge conflict but what's happening there is like a failure of anyone to fix the fucking problem in any other material way you see successes in like the you know the larry krasners and stuff like that like this can't happen but it's weird to look at something like this and go people voted for this therefore it's the answer you know that's like ceding to your enemy like to me eric adams winning means yeah that means that something better like was not given it was like fail these people were people vote against their own interest when they're failed you know and like that's that happens in politics constantly and there's this weird philosophical dividing line between when people vote against their own interest out of being failed do you follow them or do you go like oh okay we're gonna actually like look at the problem and then try to win those people over with a better fucking solution than a guy who carries a gun and sleeps on the floor of a bus station and shit is gonna like vigilante rule the entire city right i mean i really do think that india walton not a segue there provides a good sort of template for how electeds can handle this because she was running in in buffalo and her early support was a lot of uh progressive leftist uh, whites but uh she was able to build on that and you know because she has she's from there and has roots in the community uh and she was very skilled at explaining to voters we do want to cut the police budget but that money is going to be reallocated Right. And so she, you know, had a very nuanced sort of measured way of explaining her policies to people. And it's ultimately the same policy, uh, but it wasn't as easy to sort of tar her as, you know, oh, she's a crazy, uh, crazy person. But even though like the mayor, the current mayor just didn't even acknowledge her. So that also played a role, too. But I think people like her really show a, a path forward for elected. It's not necessarily for the movement of like actually digging into the details and saying this is how much money is being spent on on crime prevent on on police hasn't made the crime rate go down let's try something else these yeah. th- these programs have worked violence interrupters have worked uh job training has worked if people you know have a job she said recently they have um less time to or, or they're not going to you know be as likely to commit petty crimes uh, you can't be in a mob when you got a job right which <laughs> is i get it. that that's you know a lot of centrists use that talking point too but it's it's a politically you know it's practically speaking it's it's a good talking point yeah it's hard I mean, to steal when you're working for your meal <laughs> <laughs> another thing that plays into this i think that is probably more specific to new york city Uh, or at least more of a hurdle here is like the media narratives around crime and how they manipulate Mm -hmm. them to you know passive voters and people who uh you know just kind of are going off like their their news feed because historically the parallels between like right now and the the lead up to like the 94 crime bill are stark i mean classically this has always been a cheap media tool to scare people and to go, you know, your neighborhood. The only way to solve this is higher penalties and more fucking cops and all this stuff. And it's 
it's deceptive, you know? It's like, uh, right. there's got to be, like, good citations needed and shit like that about this. It's like propaganda. There tool. is, yeah. There's a great one they did recently, actually, about San Francisco uh, and how the media there is just made stuff up because Chesa Boudin is a decarceral DA, um, former translator for Hugo Chavez, by the way. Uh, and they have blamed all the shoplifting on him and the fact that stores are closing, Walgreens are closing in San Francisco that's being blamed on him. The Chronicle in San Francisco didn't even bother to fact check and see uh, why these stores are going out of business, and they missed the widely publicized fact that in 2019, before the pandemic, before he was even elected and came into office, uh, they had planned to close a bunch of stores nationwide anyway. Uh, and right now you have this anchor out in San Francisco, I think Dion something, who's just lying, just straight up lying. And she uh, contacted someone who is victim of a, a victim of a petty crime and told them that the person who assaulted them, uh, the charges were dropped by the DA's office, which was a straight up lie. And then she got them to comment on it and say that they were upset. Uh, and, she, and this has been called out by the Washington Post now, and she has yet to uh, retract anything. Uh, she's, you know, sticking by the the Boudin, the anti-Boudin stance and the uh, she, implicitly the recall Boudin effort. And there's just no accountability. And, and it, it appears that the station hasn't retracted anything. It just it keeps and, you know, a lot of we, we think today like, oh, everybody's online. We don't, you know, local News doesn't matter, but there's still a lot of people who watch that shit and are just getting a totally skewed and dishonest picture of things. Um, and that's a huge hurdle because we're in a we're it's interesting moment now because uh, there was this very brief time between 2012 and 2016 where like mass incarceration was for a split second like a bipartisan issue. And there's actually this referendum in California that reduced a lot of felonies to misdemeanors that was supported by like Newt Gingrich and all these like Koch brother backed groups and stuff. Because this was after the 2012 election. So they were like, "Uh oh, we're only winning white people. We have to find some way to appeal to other Americans. And uh, hey, less government. We're for less government. Let's let's do less incarceration. That makes sense. And they tried it. And uh, it was, you know, I somewhat improving things and then 2016 happened and they learned oh wait we don't actually have to do that and it's a lot more politically effective and shrewd to just keep banging the same tough on crime drum that has destroyed so many people's lives yeah because what you're gonna get with that stuff is uh i mean just put this stuff under like a closer microscope right when we look at like the the eric adams result or whatever 32 percent of this fucking thing and then decide well, that means New Yorkers all want cops. Well, I mean, that doesn't make any fucking sense if you look at the entire city going out into the streets last year and fighting the cops, right? That kind of means that all New Yorkers hate cops. Well, neither of these things make any sense because there's a lot of fucking people in the city and there's, there's, there's uh, you know, neither of these are like a plurality of the fucking thing. Honestly, I mean, just from like anecdotal experience, to me, the people that voted for fucking Eric Adams seem like probably the older people in these like poor communities and the people that were in the streets are probably their fucking children. It's been like that historically, yeah. you know? Right. So that like scary crime narrative works on your fucking old parents who've given up and shit. But 
but but that's like a failure. It's sad, you know. Well, it's also worth considering, you know, uh, how many people vote in the uh, general presidential election? What half the country? How many people vote in the uh, national primary election? Half of that, less. How many people vote in the city primary election? Yeah. Not... Just old people. <laughs> yeah. Old people and podcast hosts are very active <laughs> in that community. Uh, I don't think you can read any of these results as anything other than where party discipline is at. And I think for Democrats, mm. it's high. Shut up and get behind the guy we're saying. I, who cares if he lives in New Jersey? Yeah. The city's owned by people who don't live here. It's fucking fine. Yeah. I mean, yes. That being said, I think there have been, uh, I guess, enough podcast hosts out there to uh, tip the scales in some city council elections, which has been very exciting. Um, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be a clean sweep like it was in last summer with the assembly races in New York. But Tiffany Caban won, right? As That's a right. straight up abolitionist. Uh, it appears that Sandy Nurse has won, who is like in many ways to the left of DSA. Uh, and she knocked out an incumbent, which is a great thing. And uh, there are a lot of other races that are still very close um, that are, you know, we're still on the first ballot. So it could turn out that Hollingsworth and uh, Jaslan Carr in, in Queens could pull it out, too. So the balance of the city council is changing. So while, yes, uh, the mayoralty may be going moving to the right. Uh, the council, it appears, is is going the opposite direction. So that's going to be a really interesting dynamic going forward. And it could be a possibility, especially that, you know, as Andrew Yang loves to point out, uh, Eric Adams is a very corrupt guy, uh, that he's a one-term mayor. Um, you know, he's certainly not going to be scandal-free. So we'll see what happens. Man, his scandal is going to be so good. He's so fucking weird. He yeah. slept in Borough Hall during, like, the first stretch of COVID. Really? Why? Yeah, he just didn't because he lives in New Jersey and he couldn't go home. <laughs> he probably uh. couldn't get on the path train. <laughs> yeah, this will be fun. I look forward to he it. He said he's gonna open carry while he's the mayor and shit. Yeah. What if the psycho. mayor murders someone with a gun? What do we that could do happen. with that? They call the governor. Yeah. I don't know. Who's his boss? Who's his cops? Who's gonna The people of New York. That's who. Aw. I mean, he already, for us. he already bumped uh, Ross Barkin out of his victory party, uh, so Lol. You know, something else could happen if he, he tries to get an interview with him. Yeah, that's funny. This guy's strapped, so. But again, it's also a very real possibility that it will be Garcia, uh, which, unfortunately, for better or worse, will, I, I think, probably be a little more low-key and probably less scandals and have an easier time getting reelected. Yeah, the trash lady. She worked yeah. in sanitation and shit. The smoker. Should she yeah. smoke? Yeah, you have you heard her voice? She's like she talks like this. Yeah, we could have uh, Patty so and Selma that. as a mayor from the Simpsons. <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, you boys want to get rid of crime? <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw it in the trash. <laughs> Honestly, whoever it is, I mean, unless you're like a militant uh, troublemaker, you're just going to be the the target we all throw knives at when our lives get worse from things far beyond your control as New York mayor. It's a terrible job. I'm surprised anybody ever runs for it. Uh, I look forward to hating you. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny there were no white dudes. So that like that argument isn't going to really 
you know, it was multicultural. We did it, America. <laughs> they're all terrible, <laughs> but they're all <laughs> diverse and beautiful. And then they all lost somehow. Right. All right. Well, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, on the subject of New York City, and I know, apologies. That's right. Honk, about... honk, New York City, baby. I'm driving here and I'm also walking here. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, people complain about the amount of coverage New York gets in media compared to other uh, localities. Uh, I would just direct you to Google and Google population of New York City and then Google Dubuque, Iowa. I've looked at the... I've looked yeah, at the numbers I mean, and like a half of our listeners are in New York. It's fine. Right. <laughs> Anders destroys podcast listener with logic. Well, also, I, don't even, also, I don't even live in New York anymore, and I <laughs> am still interested in what's happening in New York. That's how great the city is. It's a great city, and it's... Even people who leave have to talk about it. Well, before right, we people, alienate look, anyone else, this what we're talking about today is perfectly universal. If you live somewhere sure. where you can take an Uber, then this applies to you. Right. Right. This is like an E3 preview for you of an exciting new game coming out in your city (laughs) in the years to come. Yeah, the the new Smash Brothers downloadable character is uh, an Uber driver who is addicted (laughs) to conspiracy theories. (laughs) That's right. I mean, mean, yes, it does uh, affect everyone. This is relevant to everyone, certainly. It directly impacts, I think, New Yorkers probably the most. Though if you're coming to New York, you can download the app as well. Um, but yeah, we're talking about a, a company. We're endorsing a company, making a product endorsement for the first time on Pine Bam America, other than Moose Synergetic Stratum. Uh, I feel like we've endorsed a lot of things on Pond Dam America. <laughs> fair enough. Especially Kratom. Yeah, Kratom, Poppers, uh, yeah. other drugs. Final Fantasy. <laughs> I guess the entire entirety of the cocaine drug cartel system. I think just That's doing right. crime in general. Yeah. <laughs> but um, check out. So uh, this is a group of folks that uh, I found out about this, I think, through uh, recently Amanda Yee, friend of the show, did an interview with them. And uh, they are based in New York City. They are a driver's cooperative and they are going to take down Uber, Lyft and the big one, capitalism. That's right. It's a- it's a pretty good interview. I do feel like there were some glaring holes. Like we didn't a- get to ask them about um, the excite working with the exciting and flavorful drivers of New York City, like um, the people who are fresh off of the boat and are strong Trump guys and want to tell you to build the wall while you're in their car, <laughs> and getting them on onto your team for their your cooperative app. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's all about for this. It's about I think class interest. You know, so we can come together with those people and slowly uh, show, illuminate why they should not be Trump supporters. You know, because everything Trump stands for is in line with everything Uber stands for, ultimately. Uh, So I think sort of workplace organizing in general, I think, is really one of, if not the best place to uh, radicalize people, frankly. I think cooperative workplace shit is a really great way to uh counter 
what's going on with these evil tech companies and the apps and stuff like that. I was a delivery driver forever and certainly had this idea and then never followed through with it because I was lazy or never knew how to or never knew how to organize with people and had conversations. And I'm glad somebody did it. And I, it's part of a long struggle. So like in terms of talking about this as being New York specific, it's not. The idea is this should fucking happen everywhere. It's, That's right. Because you can literally compete in the market and compete against these big conglomerations in ways we'll, we'll describe in you know the nuts and bolts of it in the interview here or whatever but like you get the do your ride's gonna be cheaper and the fucking guy's gonna get paid better and you're just gonna cut out the evil owner of the company and uh you know it's a long slog but destroying capitalism is a long slog and this can happen everywhere it'd be fucking great if in 10 years there was just co-op rides everywhere you went you know Co-op mustache rides. That's my goal. Yeah, there you go. That's an app I'm going to start. Me and Anders. Anders immediately gets the company thrown into jail with his mustache <laughs> ride spinoff. That's what Lyft had a mustache on the front of the car when they first came out. Was that the joke? They were got accused of sexism, I think. Lift yeah, that's a British oh, okay. saying. A mustache lift. <laughs> <laughs> it means a mustache take elevator. A lift on me mustache. Yeah, drive the lorry of me face. He's going, <laughs> he's like making her go up and down and stuff like an elevator. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I'm so jazzed about co-op shit. I think it, I'm pilled. I know it's. I know people don't believe in it, but I think if we just all did it and we use the internet to do it. We could just take so much power back. Oh, we should yes. do it. All right. To the interview. Car talk. Uh, as I sit in my B-boy stance with flip-flops and socks right, here we go. and sweatpants. Go ahead. We are now joined by a couple, uh, actually, owners of a rideshare app. And uh, I know what you're thinking, listener. Yes, we have sold out. We are advertising an app uh, that gets people from point A to point B in New York City. Um, that's you know that's how you make the big bucks. Um, but the it's called app- the Blade. <laughs> that's the next. <laughs> wherever you wherever big you thing. are, a helicopter can be there with Blade for just right. a press of a button. That's the next big thing. Is the helicopter pilot owned uh, app uh, for uh, for it's the wealthy a, to get around New York? Bisexual dating app for helicopter pilots because <laughs> they keep weird That's hours right. i guess yeah i didn't realize i forget that two two names uh and there can be two different uh apps with the same name but uh this app is called driver's co-op and it is when i say owners they are also workers they're worker owners thank you for joining us uh david and hank it's a pleasure to be here thank you for having us absolutely for having us yeah. So how did this thing get started? Uh, you launched fairly recently, but it's been a long time uh, coming. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Uh, this uh, is the result of drivers, I, th- I think, in our little our recent iteration of the struggle against um, uh, corporate controlled um, monopolies within the taxi industry here in New York City. Um, this is something that's been going back and forth since taxis became a thing here in New York City. Um, uh, one of the things our co-founder always kind of likes to um, uh, hammer is that from the, the the very second year 
that taxis have been operating in, in as a thing here in New York City, like 1913, 1914, there was an immediate strike because mm. the conditions were uh, horrible uh, for for drivers, and they realized that this is that they weren't going to take it. So fast forwarding, uh, literally over a hundred years of of struggle, um, we move into this world that Uber has come into the industry. They have undercut the original um, paradigm here with medallions, which also were a large corporate room, which a lot of people don't always uh, right. wear. It, one- it, sorry, can we just explain medallions real quick for people who may not be – may think that's like a Zelda thing? Or- no, I've only <laughs> ever heard the most convoluted like New York urban lore about what the fuck a medallion is <laughs> and how you have to like f- fight your way out of taxicab slavery with it. It has something to do with the shoes that get thrown over the light pole and shit like that. What the fuck is a medallion? I have a Cormac McCarthy understanding of medallions. I think they're the sun or maybe your heart. It's not clear. <laughs> right. So one of the things that if you want to know uh, anything about uh, medallions, you have to know that the medallions are kind of like the, the licensed vehicle, the yellow cab that you're thinking about, that, that medallion. That's what that's what it is. In order to drive one, you have to have what's called a hack license here. In the city, what they t- what medallion effectively is is pretty much uh, a city-approved vehicle to kind of drive to do taxi. They did this to kind of regulate the industry by one regulating the the, the, the license holder or the person who's working, and then also the the vehicle that they use. It's it's very similar in in the black car, like in, in black cars, we have TLC licenses. And what we saw was that the moment that this credentialing started happening happening, it became a thing of value. Because if you didn't have this, and because it was regulated, and there was this, and there was scarcity on the market of who could have it and who couldn't, um, it then became something that could be bid for value. So uh, at its peak, uh, because uh, of how essential and important uh, taxi services are to New York City, medallions before Uber and Lyft were, were, were speculated up to a point where they were worth $1 million. Mm-hmm. And people had uh, attached to their houses and other li- livelihoods to this. So that when Uber came into the industry, there are people who lost their homes, who lost everything overnight. And wow. one and one of the things that's very important to know is that even though black cars uh, didn't quite have this because it was easy to get a black car license and a black car vehicle license, when the TLC entered um, a moratorium on new vehicle license, not new hack licenses. Because one thing that's also very important to know that's very interesting is that there was a different license if you wanted to drive Black car services, which Uber and Lyft fall underneath to, and how it's categorized here in the city called four-hour vehicles, and then the yellow cab. In about 2016, when I first became, when I first started driving, they actually merged the license. And this mm-hmm. wasn't, I think, in a bit of an appeal to get with many people who are who are coming into the industry for the first time because of the, the rise of Uber and Lyft, wanting, hearing the the promise that was given to us about, oh, get a good job, you could really uh, make more money, you could be your, you have more time, flexible hours, da da da, all of these. Uh, you know, siren songs, if you would, if you would a bit, right? Mm-hmm. And we, uh, and they were hoping that some of that would kind of maybe transfer into the yellow cab, which it didn't. To put into perspective, as of right before the pandemic, there were about a hundred thousand uh, TLC licensed drivers who serviced the entirety of New York. We're talking about um, as of twenty, right before in about February twenty twenty, there were about. I want to say about a million rides per day. 800,000 of those were just like a ride share. Of the, the, of the rest, the, the 200, you know, two to 300,000 were yellow cab. Uh, ride share had already eclipsed uh, in terms of volume here in the city. And 
of those, once again, going back to that, about 100,000 drivers who do all that work, mm-hmm. 85,000 of them were black car, drove black car or drove rideshare to kind of paint that picture for you in terms of um, how, in terms of the scope and the scale of all this. And going back to that concept of that moratorium, once they put that moratorium on new vehicle licenses because these app-based companies were have flooded the market to build fleets and to, uh, you know, you know, this is this is a business where they all make money at trying to be the next Amazon, scaling, mm-hmm. uh, rewrite the large to large scale. Um, we, they, it was uh, making things a lot difficult for drivers. So the city put the moratorium, which was really important. But what it all it did because of the way it was regulated, created an, a second uh, a, a second market for, oh, you have a vehicle license? Oh, after you give me your vehicle, I, I'll pay you money to get it. Or and then when they, they banned the ability of transferring those licenses, it became a game of, oh, now we we happen to buy thousands of vehicles of TLC licenses and you can't get one. Oh, you want to make money? Now you got to rent with us, which actually very much empowered the, the predatory leasing companies that uh, charge. I, I remember when I first started, I'm not going to say the name of the company, uh, but I, uh, I rented uh, my uh, 2015 Hyundai Sonata, which at the time had about 80,000 miles in 2016, uh, for about $450 a week. $450. Damn. And that was considered uh, not that. And, it, and you compare it to a yellow medalla, uh, taxi medallion at, in the same time frame, frame which is about seven seven fifty. So I so I was getting the deal. That's crazy. <laughs> That's how much you pay for an apartment. You live in the car? I would have. Uh, well, that's not... So, I can tell you I slept in my car a hundred times like, <laughs> due to the nature of the work. Uh, in order to make those payments at times, drivers... Because, you know, driver, a lot of drivers drew, drove like 50, 60 hours. For me, uh, maybe I was a little lucky because I only I was able to get by only driving 40 hours a week, you know, <laughs> in yeah. terms of relative scale. So... Um, uh, with many of the drivers who do those extra hours, oftentimes you don't always have time to go home. So you would often go to like the um, airports. You go to JFK, you go to LaGuardia. There's little places you can kind of the, in the staging areas where you wait for a ping for people who are coming from the airport. You can go over there and, and literally just sleep in your car with the app on and, and wake up when you get the ping. Go. Uh, eventually, there was there was no porta potties at the beginning when I first started, but eventually there were. And when the porta potties came, you maybe you could you know splat you know quickly put some water, find a way to put water in your face, clean stuff up, and go pick up the person. A lot of people don't know this, but drivers are at their best right when they wake up. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you're freshest. You can detect the most traffic. Hank, did, were you going to chime in there with something? Yeah. When you talk about the, the scarcity of uh, the medallions, and Jake, you brought it up, it, David did a great job of talking about the numbers of the TLC um, uh, licenses that, that are out there. Um, on the medallion side, there are about 13,000 total um, that are that are out there, and that, that's been a fixed number, so it stays scarce, and around half are owned by speculative investors. And because, wow. those, spec- yeah, because those speculative investors have purchased them, there are now these predatory renting and lending practices that are why you hear the high suicide rates, the mortgaging your future um for these medallions that, that are now that have now completely collapsed um so there's yeah. you know we're we're out to change the way that ride sharing ride hailing works in general and um we 
very, we would like to also open this up and offer this um, to to yellow cabs as well because yeah. they're workers too. Uh, so. right. right. It almost sounds like Bitcoin. I was going to say way. it's like cab it, coin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It's not a physical medallion, is it? Or does it at least have like a piece of paper with a says medallion? Yeah, or? Pokemon badge. <laughs> <laughs> you can think of it like that. Uh, effectively, the only thing that gives it its value is the fact that it's approved by the city. So okay. this is actually something that's provided by uh, the public, and mm. the Tax and Limousine Commission is a public institution uh, that gives um, these um, these this entire industry its value. And as a result, you have private speculators. And, and just to be kind of clear as the, the type of people who engaged in this, uh, number 45's uh, personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, went to prison because of tax and medallion fraud. In this, in an industry that was already scummy, that was or, already filled with rife of corruption and the like, he was just a tad too far, and was able to get hit for it. Damn. Uh, that's 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 that. I uh, I like to illustrate the level of patronage that was engaging with that industry. For sure. Notorious good guy, Michael Cohen. <laughs> and so, you know, I know a lot of listeners uh, by now are very familiar with the practices of, of Uber, uh, giant monolithic evil monstrosity, uh, CEOs are sexist. So uh, for a lot of, you know, social justice minded people, they've deleted the Uber app and downloaded Lyft, which is uh, pink, which means it's not sexist and, um, you know, gets you from point A to point B. Uh, but w- why is uh, Lyft not also also not the way to go? And why should the consumer download the driver's co-op instead of either of these apps? The biggest reason you have to remember is that well, both of these companies uh, have engaged in a lot of the same practices. The only reason why Lyft kind of goes under the hood is because they've never had to go the length of that Uber did because Uber did the work ready. They can kind of go into the markets that Uber has already penetrated and be the good buy by contrast. But you have to remember, so there's a, there was a fight that happened. So, um, there was a, there was a, a coalition of drivers who fought for, uh, uh, better pay here in New York City. New York City was the first, uh, place in the country where there was a pay floor for drivers, meaning that the agencies had to pay a bare minimum. Uh, otherwise they were going to be, uh, there's going to be surcharges on them. And when we first won this victory, I'll never, I'll never forget. I remember being in the room where when the TLC was addressing us, had uh, people from uh, one of the other companies here in the city, Juno. They're, they're defunct now. Mm-hmm. This is a company that had been uh, heralded as the the Gantt Uber, you know, even better than Lyft, because you know everyone's trying to say, oh, we're better than Uber, we're better than Lyft. You know, they try to use that. It's the same uh, thing with all of these co- companies that kind of come in trying to say that they're better than the other. Uh, and they had pretty much said, oh, you guys think this is going to change your life. It's not going to do anything. And all we have to do is change a bit of algorithm, and you'll end up netting the same in a very condescending uh, and dismissive manner. And they, and I'm they, sorry, they said this to you, or they said this? No, so they said this in front of us while the TLC is in the, So imagine a room. You have the, the representatives from the TLC in the front of the, uh, the And that's room. a taxi license cab. Thing. Yeah, that's tax, okay. tax, tax limitation commission. And then you have a group of drivers, drivers who are interested in learning what does this new law mean? Is this a real win for us? How is this going to work for us? You know, try to get wrap our heads around this win that we were, we were supposed to have. And then you have one of the app representatives of the app-based company sitting amongst drivers, standing up and essentially <laughs> telling us, you guys think this is a win. 
you haven't won anything. And and you guys should you guys should know better than to uh, think you can get one on us. Your best hope is to just do what you, we tell you to do. And mm-hmm. when I, this is kind, this some of this is what he said. Some of this is subtext of what he was saying right there. That and it it and, and it almost makes you think the gall of these people. And then yeah. them and Lyft, mind you, went to have a lawsuit against the city to hold the extra monies they were supposed to pay in escrow, while they had eventually ended up losing the lawsuit and had to pay it out. That money was in escrow for a couple, for like about a month or so, and for, for drivers who are living on the, at the edge, like like we like had mentioned already, these are drivers who um there are some drivers who who call they call themselves celebrity drivers because they'll drive sixty seventy hours a week and they'll bring home two thousand two thousand dollars a week, but that's because they live in their car, they'll drive in SUVs, they have a way to gain new system so they can reject the drives are not a profitable and maximize the profits that are actual profitable. There's actually a story that was just covered. About a guy in in um in California who drove a, a Toyota uh, Odyssey, oh no, a Honda Odyssey, who was able to do something like this. Uh, to, and it was interesting. It, he got it got him to the point of driving this industry where he left his kids in the car and, and let a guy steal the car away because um a thief steal the car away because he was so focused on oh I gotta get my phone because I gotta answer the next bleep I gotta, I gotta answer the next uh trip. It's <laughs> it, it, it's. Wait, I, I think I read that. The guy ended up getting his car stolen. Yes. That is yes. so funny. Those those right. like uh, pieces that they write about those guys are always so depressing because it's like the thrust of it is like inspiring. A man drives a car forever. The American at, dream. Yeah, yeah. It's, right. it's like the most depressing thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And and you know those are the celebrity drivers, but for the re- for the rest of us, we're we're literally um we're we're literally struggling, putting in crazy hours to make uh, bare ends meet. And then you have to add the fact that you have uh, so many other expenses. They like to call this like these hidden taxes, these fees from uh, police from a uh, police tickets, parking tickets, other tickets. Because for example, even though we do the same type of work, there's preferential parking if you have a medallion as opposed to if you just have a, a black car. And even though on the books law that they had expanded this to FHV drivers because the, they, they didn't, the, the Department of Transportation hadn't had a chance to, what's the word for it, um, change the labeling so it, re- it officially, visually recognized it. Cops were able to use some of these uh, loopholes to actually give tickets to four-hour vehicle drivers that they parked in, even if they knew this was supposed to be where they could park because it hadn't changed effect efficiently because uh, the city is slow on some of these things. Um, you know, we were able we were able to get a whole bunch of uh, fines and, and the like. So you know, this 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 is kind of like the reality of, of being a driver. And you see all of this, you you see someone like that say to you, and you and you're like, this is bullshit. Sorry, you know, for for you to say it like that, but it's it's these these guys are full of shit. And drivers like we can do better. Curse word in the name <laughs> of the podcast. You're allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. And. We can do, we can do, we absolutely can do that. So, so, um, there was many of us who were saying, uh, why can't we just do our own our company? And while there's many visions of how this might have looked and other people who played around, with, there was a, there was a group of us who came out of this frustrated group who were like, we, we, they, who had a vision of doing this as a cooperative, doing this in a way to actually change this narrative, change this paradigm. Because we didn't, because this, the idea behind it doing it as a, as the driver's cooperative, as opposed to Joe Blow's black car service, right? Was that we knew that re- reproducing 
these systems, reproducing this business model is only going to um, just shift more wealth from one pole to another. And we knew we could do better. So the idea, so we had a revolutionary idea of what if we, the drivers, who did all of the work, who handled all of the expenses of operating this, made the decisions of running the company anyway. Mm. Like, it's not that, it's not that hard. We, we do all the routes. We um, pick up the passenger. We off. We make sure they get them to where they need to be. If there's issues that have both maintenance or cars or that, we already on the hook for this. So we can we can we can, we can do another half. Oh yeah. I was uh how was making the app? Was that annoying? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, I think Hank can. Uh, Hank, uh, I know you kind of talk about their experience with our current tech tech partner a bit, right? Yeah, it's it's an it's an ongoing process. One thing that I, I do want to unpack real quick is something that you know you mentioned anders which is the difference between lyft coming in and being happening to be pink and i think the, the fundamental difference between lyft and uber and juno and co-op ride is who's who we're accountable to at the end of the day lyft is still accountable to silicon valley still accountable to venture capital that is poured in and still accountable to the term sheets that they sign um co-op ride is accountable to our our members they're accountable to our owners. At the top of the show, you said we're worker owners. Um, we're workers. Uh, we haven't gotten around to writing ourselves our ownership shares. Oh, okay. Our, we've, we, we have given it to our driver members. So our driver members have been granted ownership shares, but um, David and I still haven't gotten the shares, but we're working on we'll, we'll get those soon enough. Okay. We'll fix it in post. So you haven't sold out yet. My point, yeah, exactly. My point is you haven't sold out yet. Oh, good. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but um, the, the the tech is coming along. Um, uh, it is it is like anything else. Um, growing without um, millions and millions and millions of shady dollars is a challenge. Um, uh, but it, it's coming along. It, it it works. We're picking up passengers in New York City. Um, we are working through um, business to business contracts as well, business to government contracts, um, and all facilitated by. Um, an app that we have a, a, a fantastic lead engineer, um, uh, Jason, and uh, a group of volunteers who also help out on the app. And since we launched, we've just had a bunch of people who've reached out and said, this is really dope. Um, we'd like to get involved, however that might work. Um, and and so we've you know onboarded a, a group more of volunteers and always looking to expand the, the family in that regard. Um, but yeah, um, the the tech is there and continuing to, like like any. I mean, because it does. It's funny. It bridges that gap of of uh, it's a tech company in in a, in many ways. Um, but as a as a co op, we have a very different funding structure um, hmm. to to be able to finance the, the the tech development. Right, and that structure has allowed uh, the prices to be lower than other apps. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, so it's on. We we don't do surge pricing. So on average, nice. it is, yeah, on average, it is five to ten percent lower. Um, so, you know, there could be times on a Monday morning where it might be a little bit more expensive, but on a rainy Friday night when Uber and Lyft are surging and it's many many dollars per mile, um, you know, we are a consistent price. Um, so not out to gouge people, and especially now when people are coming out, you know, coming out of the house again. Um, and there is a shortage on the roads. There's just a massive surge price, which we've seen time and again, don't actually make it to the, to the drivers. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I know David can talk a little more about that. Absolutely. Like one of the things that happened, I think 
very clearly was that they have disconnected what the passenger pays and what they pay drivers. So if you're paying, if you pay a, a trip that um, is, let's say, $50, $60, and, and that's something that uh, Uber or Lyft, they'll charge you an upfront pricing. They'll only pay the driver a dollar ten cents per mile, fifty cents per minute for like a regular Uber X, which is the majority of the trips we have in the city. And the reason why that's really pro- or problematic is that they can arrange the, these rates so that the, uh, the driver might end up of that fifty dollars, depending on how they charged it, might only make about twenty five dollars, twenty two dollars of that fare, and and that's really problematic. So one of the things that we thought was just just so basic. Is that we're going to be driving and taking the same type of trips uh, on both platforms, but because we commit to only taking 15% of these rideshare trips, um, the driver can make 85% of them, which means they'll make more per trip. So, then this is kind of how we try to thread that crazy needle. Uh, because we decided we're not going to be as exploitative as everyone else in the game, we're able to allow drivers to make more and get, on average, customers cheaper trips, and and and, and it allows us to, I think be the base for what or be the vehicle for really? what we think is our most there right, you go. Right? that's all good uh but eventually be the vehicle for eventually what is a our real mission which is to transform this industry and turn our workplaces effectively into a way to organize people to our cause to transform the gig economy and to really build what we like to call um, and bring back and to take and to claw back this wealth that's been concentrated at the top Back into the communities and the, and the pe- in the hands of the people who actually produce all of that. Right on. So one thing I definitely want to ask, uh, especially as you know, someone who has worked for other you know apps and ride services, is just what is it? How does a day in the life or a working day, if you will, compare working for a big app and working for Co-op Ride? Uh, one of the things that I can always say is that. Well, I remember uh, one of the busiest days I had. Let's jump back, like maybe like to 2019, this is before before the pandemic. Um, having to, to wake uh, wake up really early because I would do these crazy shifts. I would sometimes drive in the morning, take a sleep in the afternoon, so I could drive again at night. Then wake up to take my kids back to school and kind of go over. And I remember uh, groggily uh, getting uh, forcing myself out out of the bed, getting my kids over to school. And then immediately taking the car seats because I can't leave them in the car because I got to pick up passengers, uh, stuffing them, and then immediately hitting the road. Once you hit the road, you're, it's almost nonstop because you're trying to beat out the rush hour. You get into rush hour traffic, and when it's like that, it's constantly back and forth, back and forth. It's almost like you don't, you can't even stop because the trips keep coming. The way that the apps work, uh, the, the applications work on Uber and Lyft, before you can finish another trip, you already got to ping for another one. So it's just a way to kind of keep you chugging along, chugging along as long as there is. Uh, on our on our platform, it's it's a it's a lot uh, easier, a lot more uh, spread out. A driver can uh, can take a, take a trip. And the coolest thing about all this is that we have we have a dispatch. We have someone on dispatch so that if there's an issue of the trip, if there ha- if there's any uh, thing, or if they're like, I gotta take a br- I gotta take a break, I can't do this trip. They can literally give a, give us give the dispatch call that says, Hey man, I can't do this, and they can next be uh, switched over to another passenger. There's actually this human element, whereas before. I'm kind of chugging it along in a way where I'm like, uh, I have to constantly figure out a way to do a trip until I'm just overwhelmed and and can't and can't handle because there's just constantly, constantly. There's no time to use the bathroom. There's no time to use uh, to stop to get a bite to eat because you gotta uh, 
you gotta hit, you gotta keep taking that trip because if you're not, because if you don't hit those trips in, in the constant order that you want, you can be penalized by, um, by let's say you just turn off your app, right. you try to get a bite to eat, you try to use the bathroom, then you try to turn the app back on, you're not getting any pings, and then if you don't hit your quota, then you're behind the eight ball. Um, in the 1970s the sitcom uh, Taxi, there was Danny DeVito answering the phone and yelling, Leonardo, you know, uh, and he would help you. He, he was a curmudgeon with a heart of gold and he would help you if you needed uh, to switch in and out. But in these new tech apps, I've worked for him that you don't even know. You only sometimes only suspect. I think I'm being punished because I logged out for a minute to eat lunch or something and it kicked me to the bottom of the algorithm. So you're saying you've brought back the Danny DeVito. Very good. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, like it's all it's just... the heart of gold, <laughs> and we've also got our driver members um, who have stepped up to the plate to do dispatch as well, um, because it's something that has been you know behind the veil uh, and behind an app, um, and so we've opened that up as well. And really, every, every part of um, our operation gets driven by our driver members. Cool. Nice. You heard it here first. They're trying to replace Danny DeVito with a <laughs> robot. He's got a new job. He doesn't need it anymore. <laughs> well, one thing that I definitely, Jake and I have both worked for like delivery apps, and uh, it seems like it's a, a bit different just in terms of like the solidarity and self-organization of workers. Just, And I think this is because in New York City especially, uh, it's so much more difficult to get a car and a license and all that stuff and get, you know, driving, uh, picking up people for rides than it is to get a bike and do, do deliveries. Uh, so it's, it's a different nature. And, and one thing, you know, there's like almost no connection really to other, uh, couriers when I was doing it, except for like, you know, you'd be zooming down the West side highway at like 45 miles an hour and like screaming at some other guy who's like, Hey, What's it like to work for Uber Eats? Yeah. Oh, good. How's Try Caviar? Like, that's it. Like, a guy did no... that to me sitting sideways on his motor, like his electric bike. <laughs> like, 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 it was a couch. I just looked over and I was like, oh, my God. He was like, hey, so the rates on that one, caviar. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's there's but the eagerness is there to work together collectively. Uh, but be, I think in this goes to the sheer size of people doing it versus uh, driving. Um, there seems like there had already been sort of a pre-existing amount of self-organization and cooperation among drivers, uh, that helped feed into the, uh, co-op ride. Is, is that the case? And, and how have you found, um, getting, recruiting more people to, to join? Is there already like a, was there already a hunger for this, uh, pre-existing before the app started? Yes. So think of it this way. Um, we, it, it took us a while to get to get organized the resources we needed to actually get started in the road. But when we started or, with the sole goal of, or of expanding our tent and bringing in as many drivers as possible, we started with just a handful of people in December. And between December and March, we recruited our initial 2,500 drivers. That's 2,500 drivers. Now, while that's only a drop in the bucket compared to the 85,000 that I have driven in this industry, this is a direct function of people who heard um heard our pitch who heard who responded to our honestly we just picked out uh we just put our organizing hats um um one of our co-founders eric foreman and i have well extensive experiences organizing so we just were like okay we're gonna we're gonna do the phone pains we're gonna do the email pushes we're gonna do the text uh march and then one of the things that we did was since we couldn't meet because of the pandemic we just drove them into you know 
and, and into like a digital path like Zoom, something like that. Uh, and just, um, you know, really engaged with them. Uh, there's some other things that we, that we kind that we kind of didn't know, but I don't want to give all the secret sauce, uh, out because, you know, we don't, we, we realize we're taking sure. on a lot of, uh, powerful people, but yeah. effectively we really just, uh, uh, went to, we tried to find as many different ways that we could meet drivers where they were and kind of let them know what it's about. And I promise you that when you, when, when you tell drivers that they get a, they get a chance to have a voice, like, there is nothing more alienating and isolating than feeling like a, than just chugging along in your car. It's kind of it's always great to have passengers. There's amazing passengers. I, I loved having some of the passengers I had who I was able to gauge with have that bit of connection. But all all those are always fleeting, ephemeral, right? You meet the person, you have a great rapport, but you'll never see them again. And what tends to happen is. You know, you're starting to feel uh, frustrated. You're starting, you're starting to feel lonely. Not, you're missing that bit of human connection. And I think that's something that, um, and then all these laws or all these things are changing around you. The pay is starting to be decreased without your input. The city's making laws without your input. It, it's almost as if no one gives cares that, uh, that you're doing this. And what we, and what for, I think was for us was really gratifying as drivers was that, um, not only what, what, when we start talking to other drivers about this, they're like, oh my God, we can totally do this. I'm, I'm, I'm down. F Uber, F Lyft. This is pretty universal, right? But the fact that people responded and were interested in hearing what drivers were interested in, now that was extremely uh, uh, uplifting, extremely gratifying because right now um, there are very few organizations or institutions that seem to even court the uh, voices of drivers. No one actually goes to like these airport airports, these staging areas where drivers are are forced to like spend crazy amounts of hours, forced to sleep if, if they have to catch a, a disease because they can't afford to go home because they because they can't completely disengage uh, for that reason. So this is something that for us has been it's it's more than just uh, being able to um, put more money back in our pockets so we can pay the bills so we can get a, so we can keep ourselves from drowning in the onslaught of just expenses and and blows that uh, a, a, a environment that's very hostile to working people right. uh, has but have you considered kind of have you considered doing an ad on the radio because drivers love listening to the radio yes uh we've spoken with a couple of internet radio stations we're actually going to be uh, uh reaching out to a couple more like uh you know uh, terrestrial radio, because I think that's something that's pretty big. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Hot ninety seven. Hmm. Yeah. Is it you, on the table? Uh, you should get I'll Alex. Make you something. We'll figure it out. You should get. Uh, I know Charlemagne the God listens to the show, so. <laughs> Honestly, you should get oh, Alex sure. Jones to accidentally talk about this because I've been in a lot of cars in New York City where the guy is just full tinfoil hat he's like bringing you into the conspiracy theory while you're in the car with him and stuff but uh it doesn't matter as long as he's writing uh co-op you know these apps are made by the devil <laughs> the devil's in the apps no you just... gotta pick the right one you got driver's co-op is the only safe app you can use <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that's what we gotta do I love, yeah. I love it uh though so, uh just a personal piece uh for me i actually became uh, a, a proper leftist as a function of all of the different podcasts and stuff I listened to while I was in my car. Oh, well, um, for me, um, I think with most most progressives after 2016, you know, it's um, uh, it's like TYT, but then from TYT, you kind of you speak to other guys and you get bounced around. 
and, mm-hmm. and for me, um, it it c- compared the timing. I guess for me it was perfect. Donald Trump's just elected. You know, you're wondering. Uh, my daughter's just born. My oldest one. I'm like, how the hell am I gonna de- deal with a new life in this crazy world? Dealing with um, uh, constantly dealing with the alienation, isolation of being a driver, and then uh, picking, turning on, um, you know, uh, everything from citations needed to um, Jordy Report, Michael Brook Show, uh, uh, Taco Trap House, uh, you guys, you know. So, do, do, did you ever play that for the for the uh, rider? Just leave it yeah. on to see what happens. <laughs> so, if, if I could be honest, I have, and <laughs> I. And I, and I actually had some interesting experiences. I actually had, I actually <laughs> I picked bet. up. I actually remember there, I was listening to someone dunking on Jordan Peterson, and someone got in my car was going to a Jordan Peterson event. <laughs> that was an interesting <laughs> conversation. Uh, <laughs> I, I just he was realized he, he he said, "Oh, he's talking about Jordan Peterson." Yeah, I'm about to go. To, I'm about to go see him. I picked it up in Lower Manhattan, and I was like, "Ooh, man!" <laughs> Listen <laughs> to this. Time. Yeah, it's just well, shit check. It. He's like, "I'm on my way to." Debate this man. <laughs> what kind of rating did did you get or tip oh, from this guy? Uh, he didn't, he didn't get it. But, um, <laughs> he's but on I his got... way to a Jordan Peterson <laughs> show. Are you listening? <laughs> well, you know, but, I, but I still did get, you still did make this rating. But I've had an interesting conversation. People who, I picked up some guys in Long Island who are trying to sell me on Ayn Rand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lovely, that lovely piece of literature there. And, um, you know, it actually stoked inter- uh, conversations. I, I felt that, ironically, listening to podcasts while people got in actually gave me an opportunity to organize. Yeah, right, absolutely. Taxi cab High level moves. Um, yep, podcasts well, are good. <laughs> well, one thing I definitely want to ask, too, is what reaction have you already gotten, if any, from the big apps? And what kind of reaction do you anticipate going forward? Uh, and... Are you trying to expand? Like, if uh, are do you obviously? I, I assume you want people to do this in other cities, and if they do, do you want it to be part of the same co-op or a network of of different co-ops? Uh, you know, with different names and owners to you know in some sort of uh, confederation or something. Uh, where where do you envision this going? Uh, I think Hank, you could you could answer start this one. Yeah. Um, as for reception from other apps, uh, I'm. We haven't gotten direct responses on social media or otherwise, but I've got a feeling that they have, they know that we're out here. Um, some of the reception that we got, whether it was like getting on AOC's Instagram story or um, some of the the Twitter reception when we announced our launch, making it to the New York Ti- New York Times gets read by a couple of people, and so um, figure at some point that gets circulated. Um, and you know, we we're we are really confident in what we're doing and the model that we've built. So we're excited to, to take them on, um, yeah. frankly. Um, and we're excited for the opportunity. Um, we're, we're building it right. And so I think that there's longevity there. And that goes to your second, the second part of the question, which is what's next. <laughs> um, and I'm excited for that part too. Um, obviously we have a, a massive um, opportunity here in New York and a, um, the challenge that is building a rideshare app. Um, but yeah, beyond, we'd love to enable other cities, other, we've had such an outpouring of people who are like, all right, well, what do I, what do I have to do to make this happen in, in Boston, in San Francisco, mm-hmm. in LA, um, in rural Pennsylvania? Um, like this, the, the need is there and people have 
people want it to be done. Um, so it's a matter of building it and building a strong foundation and then transferring those skills elsewhere. Mm. Uh, uh, so it's, you know, absolutely something that we'd love to see replicated, um, under, under the same umbrella or, uh, just entirely different organizations, you know, obviously as long as it's a, it's a worker co-op, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's something that's compelling and I think it would be successful anywhere. Cool. Right. So somebody wanted to start, you know, uh, in DC, co- a co-op ride, they, would they be able to use your branding and everything or, or, or you're not sure yet? Not, not tomorrow. Okay. Um, uh, it, it's something that we're definitely looking at, um, and would, and would like to make a, a conscious effort to, to enable other people. Like I said, we, we just started three weeks ago. Um, right. New York is a really big market that we'd like to, um, figure out what works. Um, and then be able to uh, enable other other branches, other other cooperators to do their own thing. Right on. Right. Because uh, at the end of the day, co-op, co-ops help co-ops. We've gotten a lot of support from well, our co-ops here in this amazing uh, cooperative ecosystem here in New York City, um, elsewhere as well. Um, we've had people, you know, even drivers from Texas, uh, Seattle, and the like chip in some volunteer hours to kind of get this forward. This is, we've literally um, uh, been able to put, put this forward because people decided that uh, after the profit motive, we just want to see this project move because we believe in the vision of oh, something yes. better. So we'll put in, we'll put in our, our brain power, our sweat, our tears, our equity, our, you know, in terms of um, the energy that they have to really, really um, uh, work towards this, uh, this project. Effectively. Hell yeah. Great. Well, uh, where can our listeners find you? Um, I, I take it you need, you still are raising some money. Is that correct? So, so how can people donate and how can they find you on social media? Uh, so we are on, um, uh, the app store, both Google play and the Apple app store at co-op ride. Um, website is drivers.coop. Um, and we can be found on both Twitter and Instagram under uh, the Drivers Co-op. Um, and and yeah, download the app. We are live just in, in New York City at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, Driver, it's under Co-op Ride uh, on the App Store. And we do have actually a donate, I think, button on our website, which is drivers.coop. Uh, you can check, check out our website. It's, you can check out our website. We'll, we'll link to it. Yeah. Show notes. I just downloaded the app. I can't wait to oh, use yeah. it. Appreciate it. Ooh. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, uh, we're happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Solidarity. guys. All right. Okay, that's the end of the show. Honk honk. Park the car in the garage and then go to sleep in your car because you are overworked and you got to get up and do it again tomorrow. We're parking the podcast in a parking spot, because we don't have garages here in this fucking city, and it's going to be swept at 4 a.m., and we have to get up and move it. Put on your emergency brake. That's right. Ooh, Taking your point. headphones out. Uh-huh. Good point. Um, <laughs> has anyone got Put on any? your anti-theft wheel lock. <laughs> oh yeah, put that. Uh, remember the club, that thing you could put on your driver's. Oh wheel, yeah, your dri- steering driver's wheel. I've been in a car in a long time. Your steering wheel <laughs> in the nineties. <laughs> you couldn't steal someone's car. 
Yeah. I don't think I don't know how much they worked because uh, I watched God in sixty seconds and Nicolas Cage was could do that in like half a second, not even sixty seconds. He just like ripped off the club. It it's very right, but that's Nicolas Cage. That's your worst nightmare as a car owner. Well, we had one. My family did, and our car still got stolen. So. I think it was. I, that's why they. Pro- I, you don't see them anymore. Your car got stolen. That fucking sucks. You yeah. should check to see if Nicolas Cage has that car. That's Man. a good point. Yeah. I I met somebody a while back who knows how to take a fucking city boot off a car. So if you want to steal a car bad enough, you can steal it from another yeah. person or back from the city. Whatever. It's doable. Yeah. You, a, you know what? If you're an entrepreneurial person out there and you're with some some pals who are also into doing crimes, start a theft cooperative. Uh, we'll make an app for that. Uh, yeah. You know, a, a gangster criminal syndicate that is democratically operated. It's, I think that could be a good prospect. Gangster. There's no E in it. It's <laughs> got a little, little outline of a guy with a knife. On the, yeah. <laughs> the app. Andrews, I would love to see you take this pitch to like an underground circle of uh, criminals and just stand up there and tell them what workers have to win in this world. You ever sick of kicking your pe- a piece up to the boss? He doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Who here hates rats? I know I do. <laughs> I think they're finks. If everyone has the same amount of power, serious point. If everybody has the same amount of power in the organization, then there's no incentive to like rat on different people. There's no incentive to rat on them. That's true. I think we we invented a new thing here that no one's ever thought of. Yeah, co-op crime. (sighs) Well, that's got to be it for us then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we gotta get still to work on that. That'll be the next episode. We'll figure out how to destroy Batman, but in a in an equitable way without a boss. Right. I'm putting on leather gloves so people won't be able to trace my fingers for my (laughs) dark work after this. They formed a co-op in the wire, like a drug dealing co-op. Remember? Was it a co-op for or Amsterdam? Was... No, 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 not Amsterdam. Like in later seasons with Prop Joe and shit. I gotta rewatch that show. I, I thought wrong. that was just like a conference of different drug dealers. Yeah, maybe it wasn't actually operating okay. like a co-op. It was like a summit. They weren't making like Marlowe clean the bathroom and shit like that. <laughs> dividing up the labor equally. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody send us a long email on your analysis of season four of The Wire. <laughs> we will 100% read it. All right. Um, let's get out of here. Do everything to plug. At Anders Lee here on Twitter. Check out my other job, uh, Redacted Tonight. Um, and uh, sign up to our, for our Patreon. Uh, we just did an episode with Milo Edwards from Trash Future about Russia and the Yeltsin years. Uh, so that's an interesting one. Uh, we talk about a Jeff Goldblum movie about the 96 Russian election. And um, I don't know if I should plug this on air. Should I plug my birthday? My yeah, birthday yeah you Monday. should plug your birthday. Right. Why not? <laughs> if you're in New York City, uh, I'm going to be celebrating my birthday there on Monday, June 28th, turning 30. And uh, I, if you're not a creep, uh, feel free to come by. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, okay, I guess do it. I was going to say, maybe have them DM you for it or something. No, okay, yes, DM me. DM me. Or you could just say or it. It's, it's a bar in, in Bushwick. 
<laughs> you know what's funny about the plugs that go out specifically not to creeps is I feel like the creeps are the really the ones who act on these kinds of things. That's a good point. Yeah. You don't have as many it, creeps as me. Yeah, fair enough. But they'll know that, well, yeah, maybe your creeps will. <laughs> I don't know. Take a long, hard look at the mirror and maybe come to Andrew's birthday on Monday. <laughs> well, I mean, we do shows and we just say I'm going to be at this bar all the time. Fuck okay. it. You should say it. I changed my mind. <laughs> all right. Okay. Old Stanley's. <laughs> all right. Well, I would also like to plug Andrew's birthday. Definitely, if you're listening, go there, celebrate him, cherish him. 30 years of Andrew's. Wear your anniversary Andrew's gear. Um, I'm going to plug Theater of Delights again because I am working on it all live long weekend. And hopefully there should be a release of some kind very soon. So whenever this comes out, probably a few days after that. So Theater of Delights, the show about pleasure on, on the radio. And I'm on Twitter at Patak Test Kitchen. And you can follow me there when I finish editing. Anders, are you only turning 30 just now? Yeah, I'm not even. I'm still in my 20s as, we, as we're recording this. Okay, I'm going to plug that I'm going to die soon. And I'm very <laughs> old. Um, I, uh, my other podcast is Why You Mad. Um, I think I'm going to go on tour soon. Keep an eye out for that if you're all over this beautiful fucking country. Um, we have merch for sale at Big Cartel, our website, or our, our Big Cartel website, poddamnamerica.bigcartel.com. If you want a bandana, now that COVID's over, you don't have to use them for your face. I made them before COVID. You can put them on a dog and they look cool and stuff like that. Put them on a dog. Put them on put a them dog. Put a dog a share. Put them on a dog. Put them on a cat. Put them on my ass. Like a dog. Like a dog. Oh, wait, that's Put it on Trump. the top of your head. There's no rules. It's okay. a bandana. I think that's it. All right. It's finished. Is it finished? I'll see you guys out there. Question mark. Finish. <laughs> nah. Know what your child may be hiding Could be just a baby doll But also it could be a place Where you can secrete or hide drugs Something simple as a crack pipe This one could be hidden inside a pillow Behind a picture frame you can find bullets Eric Adam, get out of my room What you doing in my room? Eric Adam, get out of my room What you doing in my room? Eric Adam, get out of my room What you doing in my room? Eric Adam, get out of my room What you doing in my room? What you gonna find in my room? You gonna find love in my room. You gonna find hugs in my room. You gonna find art in my room. You gonna find hearts in my room. You gonna find paper in my room. There ain't no haters up in my room. You gonna find UBI. You gonna find housing for all. Healthcare for all. All up in Paperboy room. All up in room of Paperboy prints. Uh, why you up in my room searching for prints? Uh, we spreading love, I'll give you a hint. Paperboy, I'm spreading love. I swear in love, I swear in love, yeah Eric Adams, get out of my room What you doing in my room? Eric Adams, get out of my room What you doing in my room? Eric Adams, get out of my room What you doing in my room? Eric Adams, get out of my room What you doing in my room? We swear in love, we swear in love